Good morning and welcome to the Mental Health Devotions of the NCSA. My name is Nandi Fleming and I will be your host for this morning's worship. Before we start, let us just close our eyes for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, this morning has started off well in the sense that we know that your presence is in our lives and that we can start the morning off fresh with with you in our thoughts and in our heart and ask you to bless this day, Lord as it is a day where we can rest, where we can contemplate the things of God. And Lord, I pray that as the world is quiet out there, that you might bring quietness into our souls as well, that we we can truly feel your quieting and your presence in our lives. Bless each person, Lord, that's listening is my prayer in your name. Amen. The verse that I want to read for you this morning comes out of the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 6. And these are the words of Jesus. It says, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. The title for my talk this morning is, Who Lives in You? Have you ever been on a diet or tried to go to the gym or build extra muscle or really badly wanted your body to look better? I'm sure you've answered yes, but I want to ask you a question this morning. Why do we do this? Is it because I want to look good? Because I want to feel good? Because I deserve to be healthy? Because um, good-looking people are awesome? And because others will respect me and envy me? And if you reach your goal, you know, often we are in danger of becoming proud And as much as I love physical fitness and the ability to improve my health and my body, I realized that I needed to guard myself against pride. Every single one of us needs to guard ourselves against pride, against falling in love with ourselves. The book of Romans chapter 1 verse 25 gave such a warning to the people of old, where it reads and it says, They worshipped and served the things that God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. And this really got me thinking about myself and about my own life in terms of, am I idolizing myself? Am I focusing so much on myself and developing myself that I have lost sight of the one who created me? Is my focus so much on perfecting me for me instead of focusing on him and what he wants for his creation. So I thought to myself that perhaps this morning we can talk a little bit about um, us as the creation and God the creator, the architect of who we are, and really just see what the architect had designed for us, what the architect had in mind for us and in store for us. And I realized that the Bible talks about us as God's creation, but it also refers to us as the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And I realized that if we were to go and look at the Bible designs of the temple and, and, and how the temples in the Bible and the Old Testament were designed, um, what God had in store for them and how they were used, perhaps we could learn some lessons in terms of our temple, the body that we have, our bodies, our minds, our emotions, our strength. All of this is what encompasses the temple of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The Bible tells me how God designed us. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. You see, there was an original design how God created us. Perfect, wonderful. And then he gave us a command to take care of it and to glorify um, him through our bodies and to improve it. He also told us what not to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 to 20 says, You know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and who you have received from from God, don't you? You do not belong to yourselves because you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. In other words, the Bible is telling us is that your body has a purpose. The purpose of your body is, is to glorify God. The purpose of your body is for God to live in you and through you. So we're supposed to take care of our bodies. And I believe that this is holistically. We need to take care of our mind, our body and our soul. You see, there was a song that we used to sing when we were young and we used to sing, Building up a temple, building up a temple, building up a temple for the Lord. And, and this song, whenever we used to sing it, I used to think of building a church, you know, like a proper church. But actually what the song was saying is, is that you are building your body. You are building who you are so that the Lord can live in you. And we're supposed to improve. We're supposed to build mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, a while back, I watched a TED talk on brain activity and how you can literally improve your brain functioning activity and size through something which is called brain rehabilitation. And this is literally done by just making a few lifestyle changes. It's really simple, and we'll talk about this later um, in another presentation. And you can significantly reverse um, brain damage and improve brain functioning simply by making a few changes. And this made me think that, that God really wants us to build our temple. Our temple is not just our physical bodies, but it is our mind as well. And the seat of our temple, the, the inner sanctuary of our temple is our mind. And that is a place where only God belongs. So there is a warning, however, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 7, that says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If any man defile the temple of God, God will destroy him. For that temple of God is holy, and you are that temple. The Bible is saying take care of yourself, take care of your your being, because God lives in you. And don't don't destroy yourself. Don't destroy let anybody destroy you. As a matter of fact, I'm saying don't destroy yourself. But what God cares for is your well being and your health. And he says, if anybody destroy it, he will destroy them. That means others and things around you that's destroying you, God will destroy that as well. But our bad habits can also sometimes, you know, cause the temple of God not to be so good. An architectural design always has a very specific purpose and therefore a very specific design. Have you ever noticed the older churches in town? They all had these very high steeples, you know, that tower with a bell in it. Why is this? 
there's a reason for it. This is so that it would be visible from everywhere in town. So that when people came into town and they would, knew, would be new, they would always know where to go to worship God. And the bell would call them to worship. There's a specific purpose for a temple and how a temple is built. And I believe that this is the same for us. The reason why God tells us how to live our lives, how to build our temple, how to nourish ourselves is for a very specific reason. There's a purpose behind it. And our purpose is to glorify God in our bodies, to take care of it so that he can live in us and through us for the good of humanity. The crux of Christianity is that everything is centered around God. Nothing exists apart from him. Nothing exists that isn't connected to God. So let's talk a little bit about our temple um, and also about the temple in terms of how it was in the biblical days, not our physical bodies, but the actual temple, because I believe we can learn some lessons from it. Let's look at the purpose of the biblical temple, how it was built and how it was defiled and how it was idolized, because this is stuff that we struggle with in our lives. We struggle with realizing what our true purpose is, why we are here, why we are built and how to build it and how to better it and how not to defile it and how not to idolize it so that our focus is on ourselves instead of on um, God. So let's look at the temple, what its purpose was, how it was built, how it was defiled and how people idolized it. There were basically two temples in the Bible, the first and the second, as historians called it. And these physical buildings were built in specific times. The first one, which is not part of the first and the second temple, but was actually really just a tent that was used in the wilderness by Moses. And the Bible tells us that God gave him very specific instructions how to manufacture this tent, which later became the building in Jerusalem. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, you can go and read. God says what the purpose was of this tent. It says, build for me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. This is the same for us. Our bodies, our sanctuary, our temple is so that God can live in us. The blueprint that was given on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 25 verse 9 had very specific instructions on how to build, what material to use, how it should be done, um, what colors should be used, what materials should be used, down to the very last thread in the tent. Um, for us in building our lives, I believe that God is also very specific about how we should care for our temple, what we should eat and drink. And Genesis gives us an idea of what God had in store for his original design, his original temple. If you go read in Genesis what God gave Adam and Eve to eat and to drink. Um, and also how to treat the temple was very specifically outlined for Moses when they were in the wilderness. It would be carried only by priest. Everything in the temple was only carried by priest. And the most holy place, the second, third sanctuary, third, in, third compartment of the sanctuary was only to be entered by the high priest, the most holy place. And I believe that in our bodies, you know, we also have compartments. And I believe that the most holy place in your body is your mind, your brain. And I believe the only one that should have access into your mind is Jesus, is God, the high priest of our bodies. But you see, we are allowing a lot of things into our most holy place, into our mind. And we've given it access to any old thing, you know, strange things that shouldn't be entering into our minds at all. And there's a pressure precious lesson for us to be learned when we study the temple buildings in the Bible. You see, the first temple that was built in Jerusalem after the, the Israelites arrived in Canaan um, 
was erected during the most prosperous period of Israel's history. It was a tremendous amount of treasures was used for the purpose of its building. And the treasures were collected by King David. You see, King David had plans for the construction of, of God's temple in Jerusalem. And it was divinely inspired, says First Chronicles 28 verse 12 to 19. In other words, God gave David the idea of how to build the temple. And he planned for it. And he collected a lot of um, instruments and materials all over the world. But you see, he didn't build it. Solomon, the wisest monarch of Israel, had to complete the work. He actually built the temple. And the reason for this was is that God didn't allow David to build this temple because of his sins um, that he committed with Bathsheba and Uriah. But you see, the Bible tells us that this was the most magnificent, ma magnificent building that was ever seen in the world. Vast stores of treasures were collected by David over many years from various areas all over the world in order to, to, to build this temple. And the place where it was built was on a very holy site, Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah was chosen by David. And interestingly, it was the very same Mount Moriah where Abraham many years ago um, was going to sacrifice Isaac. Now, they tell us that when the building was built, how it was built is that the stones were cut away from the actual temple site so that no sound of the tools that were used were being were heard at the temple site. The materials were already cut and pre-cast, taken to the temple site and then just put together at the temple site. Logs were floated down from Lebanon in order to build the temple. It, the building was so magnific magnificent that queen, the Queen of Sheba came all the way down to Jerusalem to come and behold this magnificent artifact. People from all over the world came to see the wealth of its construction and they asked the question about the architect. Who was the architect? Because they were so impressed by it and no wonder they were impressed and that they marveled because the architect was no other than God. For us, it's the same. How do we build our temple? Are we sparing any, any means and efforts in order to build up our bodily temple, our temple of our mind, in order for it to be the best place for God to live in? But you see, there was a warning that was given to, to the people of Israel through Daniel, Haggai, Amos, Ezra, and Micah. All of these prophets warned of the destruction of, of this temple and that it would be taken captive and it would be destroyed. And there were many reasons why why Jerusalem and the temple was going to be destroyed. But the one that I want to focus on today is the one where it says that they worship the created more than the creator. You see, when this temple rose up and it was so magnificent, everybody gawked at the temple. Everybody was so amazed at the building, but they forgot the God who was living in the building. And these prophets warned of the destruction if the focus of the people would not return to that which it was supposed to return to, to their creator, to the one that was going to live in the temple and sustain the temple. And in 586 BC, just as the prophets had predicted, a Babylonian invasion led by Nebuchadnezzar came. And this was the first siege. Um, this was a second siege that Nebuchadnezzar had led. You see, many years previously, he came to, to Jerusalem and he put Jerusalem under siege. But his first siege, he left everything untouched. He didn't burn anything. He didn't break anything. He didn't steal anything or take anything. He left it untouched and he just put a new ruler in charge um, and he went back home. But this second siege in 586, um, everything was destroyed. Jerusalem and the temple and the people were taken captive and led away into captivity to Babylon. Because they worshipped this created thing more than the creator, God allowed it to be destroyed. But you see, there was hope. 
because Haggai the prophet in chapter 2 and verse 7 and 9 predicted that this temple would not be destroyed forever, but that the temple would be rebuilt eventually. And he predicted that the glory of the Lord's house would be greater than the former one. He said that the second temple would be greater than the first temple. And it's the same in our lives. You see, God wants to leave us with hope today. Even if you are in a dark moment of your life right now, even if you've been taken captive or destroyed by the sin of this world, even if it was by your own doing that you will put under siege and that the enemy Satan has taken control of your temple, your body and destroyed your mind and you've left, let him come into your most holy place. God says that it can be built up again. God says that our bodies and our minds can be built up again. Just like he told the prophet Haggai that the, the temple could be built up again and that it could be greater than the former one. You too can be greater in your body and in your mind than what you were before, even when things were more relaxed. And the interesting thing is, is that, that the temple was rebuilt. After many years of captivity um, in Babylon, Cyrus the Great gave the command that the temple in Jerusalem would be rebuilt. And he freed the Jews so that they could go back to Jerusalem and they could build, rebuild this temple. And the rebuilding of the temple took place under the governor, a Judean governor called Zerubbabel. And he was in charge of the rebuilding. And this promise that the temple would be greater was met with great disappointment. Because when the old men of old that had seen the first temple in its glory returned to Jerusalem and returned to see the foundation of the new temple laid, it says they cried because the beauty of the second one was not anything near the beauty of the first you see, the new temple was far inferior in the materials and the building of it than was the first one. Um, and they remembered that Haggai had promised that it would be greater. And they asked in Haggai 2 verse 3, they said, Does anybody remember this house, this temple in its former glory? How in comparison does it look now? It must seem like nothing. They were complaining and saying that this is terrible. This is not at all like Haggai said. But you see, what they didn't understand was that the second temple was not equal to the first in its uh, um, magnificence, in its building structure. There was no visible tokens of God's divine presence, no supernatural presence um, at its dedication. There was no voice from heaven, no cloud, no fire, no Shekinah glory. The Ark of the Covenant was gone. The table stones were gone. Um, Aaron's rod, the Urim, the Thurim, the holy oil and the sacred fire were no longer there. The second temple was not honored in this way as it was in the temple in the desert and as it was um, in the first temple that was built in Jerusalem. But the way in which the glory of the second temple exceeded the glory of the first temple is by the living presence of the one who in whom the fullness of God dwelt. You see, Jesus walked and talked and talked in the corridors of the second temple. And it was in the presence of Jesus and Christ only that the second temple exceeded the glory of the first. The original um, structure that was described that Zerubbabel constructed was a very modest structure um, and it was only constructed by a bunch of Jewish exiles um, and they lost its focus because they saw this modest structure. They lost the focus of what the purpose of the temple was and the purpose of the temple was the most important part of the temple, not so much of how it was built, but it was a place where God would dwell. And yes, 
It needs to be great because God is there, but God should be greater than the temple itself. And it's the same for us. You know, we often lose focus of our purpose. We, we focus so much on ourselves and our lives and me, 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 and I, I, I on the temple instead of focusing on the God of the temple and how he makes the temple amazing from the inside out. This is where focus should be, not boasting on beauties and, and strength and, 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 and what we've accomplished, but our, our boasting should be that the God of the universe lives in our hearts and our minds and that he wants to dwell inside of us and work through us. But you see, this little temple that was built by Zerubbabel, this mundane structure wasn't enough for the Israel of old. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, for, for them, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us was not also enough for them. And the temple, they tell us, was actually rebuilt, not rebuilt, but, but renovated. In 515 BC, the second temple was completed. But then in 20 BC, Herod the Great um, decided to renovate the temple. This is before Jesus came onto the scene. And he wanted to make this mundane, boring temple that Zerubbabel had built. He wanted to, to modify it a little bit. He wanted to make it pretty again. And he actually completely refurbished it. And the original modest structure was completely overruled into a large and magnificent, magnificent edifice. Reconstruction began with a massive expansion of the Temple Mount. In other words, he actually built up the mountain so that the temple could sit on top of it so that it could be bigger and greater. During this time of rebuilding, the religious worships and the temple rituals continued during the construction process. And um, Herod's temple, or let's say his renovation of the temple, was one of the largest construction projects of the first century. Josephus, a historian, says that Herod was only interested in gaining fame through reconstructing this building and his masterpiece was the temple in Jerusalem the old temple that was built by Sarah Babel was replaced by this magnificent building and architects from Greece and Rome and Egypt planned its construction 10,000 skilled laborers built it but a thousand Levites also built the parts of the building where the normal buildings builders couldn't enter so the most holy place was still constructed by the Levites um, the normal people weren't allowed to enter and and and, and these magnificent, magnificent architects and, and laborers, you know, planned it and, 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 and it was built. And this is the temple that was standing erected when Jesus is born and Jesus comes into the scene. During the Passover visit that Jesus went to the temple, um, the, the Jewish leaders replied and said that at that stage, the, the construction of the temple had been 46 years. This is in John 2 verse 20. So up until the point where Jesus enters into Jerusalem just before he was going to die, 46 years had passed where Herod had been constructing and building and fixing and making the temple more beautiful. And the disciples as they're standing there outside of Jerusalem looking at the temple remarks at the beauty and the magnificence of this temple that Herod had made. The old first temple was no longer there. It couldn't be seen at all. And Jesus turns to his disciples in Matthew 24 verse 1 to 2 and he says to them, he predicts its destruction and he says, not one stone will be left upon another 
Matthew 24 verse 1 to T. And you see, the reason why Jesus, you know, predicted its destruction is because I believe because once again, they had lost focus. They, they lost focus that it was not about the creation, not about the temple, but about the creator. And Jesus even declared this one day while he was in this magnific- magnificent temple. Matthew 12 verse 6, he says, But I say unto you that in this place, because he was in the temple, is one greater than the temple. They had lost focus. And the interesting thing is, is that only a few years after it had been completed, it was destroyed by the Romans. This magnificent temple, um, and it was destroyed under the command of Titus, a Roman commander. Um, Jerusalem was under siege, and this happened in 70 um, AD. He commanded his soldiers as they were under siege, as they finally broke through the walls of Jerusalem after many, many months of being um, and laying siege to Jerusalem. He commanded his soldiers as they entered into the city Jerusalem that they should leave the temple intact because of its uh, tremendous beauty. He said, don't touch it. It is too splendid to, to, to destroy, but the rest you can burn. But after this long siege, the soldiers were enraged and they pretended not to hear what he had said. And they burnt the temple to the ground together with the rest of Jerusalem. Now, the interesting thing is, is when it burnt, the gold that the temple was made out of, all the precious jewels melted into the foundation of the temple. And afterwards, the soldiers came back and they broke open the foundation of the temple in order to get to the gold. Just as Jesus had predicted, the prophecy came true that not one stone was left upon another within this temple. The prophecy of Psalms 74 verse 7 came true that said, They burned your sanctuary to the ground, desecrating your dwelling place. Today, there is a Jer- in Jerusalem, the modern Jerusalem, at that very same spot where the first and the second temple stood, there is another temple that was rebuilt called the Dome of the Rock. It has a golden plated roof. And in 1993, this golden dome covering was refurbished um, following a donation of 8.2 million US dollars by King Hussein of Jordan, who sold one of his houses in London to fund 80 kilograms of gold to put this golden structure, this golden roof on top of this golden dome. Now, It seems like throughout history, we haven't learned. We haven't learned that it's not about the temple, but it is about the one that is in the temple. Yes, it is beautiful to build a house of God that is magnificent for him to live in. But we lose focus because of its beauty. And one day, this golden dome standing in Jerusalem right now will also burn at the second coming of Jesus Christ. I ask myself the question, how many times was the temple destroyed or almost destroyed? And every time there was a warning, a prediction, every time they were told to bring their focus back to the the creator and not the creation. I wonder if it's not the same for us, that we also need to to realize that, you know, maybe the reason that our lives are so repeatedly in trouble, so repeatedly destroyed, is because our focus is on us instead of God. Our focus is on the beauties of our life here on earth and how we can have fun and how we can be amazing and, and, and great instead of focusing on God, the creator, and then building 
our lives so that when the beauty arises then it's not because of pride or because of of this outward want of display or or just being happy but the reason we build our body the reason we build our mind is because our focus is on the creator that lives inside of it then we will not become proud and we will not lose our focus the bible tells us that there's going to be another temple Revelation chapter 21 tells us that after this earth is destroyed, um, there will be in heaven a city called Jerusalem. Um, Kind of similar to what it was here on earth, but it will be more magnificent. But Revelation chapter 21 verse 22 makes a very interesting um, statement. It says, when the prophet saw, prophet John saw the new Jerusalem, that city of God, he said he looked around and he said, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God almighty and the lamb was the temple. This to me just struck such a chord saying that, yes, right now here on earth, God needs a place where he can meet with us. But up in heaven, there will be no place because he will be the place. God will be the temple. And that is where we will go. We will go into the city and we will go and meet with God, not in a place, but with him face to face. God says we should focus on him. And and the end of this world shows that our focus right now should be not on the temple, but on the one of the temple, because God is that temple. Our temple is not so much our bodies, but it is God, God living in us. I want to ask you, what is God's purpose for you? His purpose for you is is that he can live in you and that you can make him your focus and that you can glorify him through your body. It is so important for us here on earth, while we are not yet together with God face to face, that we understand why we are here. What is our purpose? What is the purpose of us? Because we are his temple. The only purpose is for God to dwell in us, for us to glorify him in our body and in our mind. Um, We need to learn to read God's instructions on how to build this temple, how to improve this temple and how to grow ourselves mentally, physically and emotionally in order for God to be satisfied with this building that he needs to live in. And we need to allow the architect to dictate how it should be built and, and, and what materials should be used. Be careful of the pride of life, because once we start putting this into practice, your temple will become beautiful. Your temple will start looking as amazing as God designed it to be. But be careful of the pride of life, because once this beauty comes up, we might lose focus again of the one that has made this temple beautiful. Don't lose sight of he who has created you and who lives inside of you. May God bless you today as you learn to focus on the bolder who is God, the architect who is God and the one that lives inside of you. May God bless you. Amen. If you would like to receive more of these mental health devotions straight to your phone, you can WhatsApp the word YES to 083-658-4296.